You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Tonight, we will be joined by our special guest, Chuck Snow, the CEO of Traffics. Chuck is a close friend of ours, close friend of the show, and he's coming back on to give us kind of a synopsis, a wrap-up of the CMC presentation that he gave at the CMC uh, Building a Trucking Business. It was a very stimulating uh, presentation that he delivered up in Kansas City. If you were not available or able to attend the CMC, you're in luck tonight because you'll get the chance to uh, kind of get a little bit of a broken-down Cliff's Notes version of the um, presentation that he delivered up in Kansas City. But with no further ado, we're going to start off tonight's show as we normally always do. And um, tonight we're going to start off with the USDA Fruits and Vegetable Report. This is a free report that is available that the USDA puts out every Wednesday. Uh, I try to put up a post uh, linking it to the Facebook group page, Breaks and Lanes, I didn't get a chance to do it today. Kind of look, got caught running around a little bit. And you may hear a little background noise tonight, ladies and gentlemen, but just disregard that. I got my grandson with me flying solo here tonight without a call screener. So, uh, but with no further ado, we're going to jump over into this fruit and vegetables truck rate report. And last week, we were starting to see a good bit of movement on the report. And uh, same thing for this week. Still a good bit of movement going around. So we're going to try to point you into the markets that uh might be able to take advantage of here this week, the rest of this week, and coming in to the, um, the rest of the upcoming week, next week. So Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, is showing a slight shortage. That's one area you might want to make a note of. Central and South Florida is showing a slight shortage, but just remember, as we talked about last week, uh, Florida is going to start falling off dramatically here after... Um, after uh, Memorial Day. So we're going to start to see a little bit of a decline over in South Florida and Central Florida. It's still going to be some stuff to be uh, moved in that, in that area, but you just want to make sure before you get down there that you got your bases covered. Don't get caught down there without a, without a parachute. Uh, really a strong market right now, South Florida for melons. That's, a, that's another indication on, on the report is showing a strong movement in South Florida for melons. But like I said, you want to take that with a little bit of caution. Eastern North Carolina is showing a shortage of trucks out of Eastern North Carolina. Right now, the load-to-truck ratio is not that great in Eastern North Carolina. As many of you know, that's my backyard. So um, got to kind of be cautious about dealing with that area as well uh, if you don't already have something, a uh, plan of attack when you get there. Lower Rio Grande Valley, Texas, and Mexico crossing through Texas, both of those areas are showing slight shortages. Uh, the rest of the other areas are showing adequate supply of trucks. San Luis Valley, Colorado is showing a, sli- a slight surplus of trucks. Minnesota, North Dakota is showing a slight surplus of trucks. And central Wisconsin is also indicating that there is a slight surplus of trucks. I will, before the night is over, try to get this uh, page linked up to the Racing Lanes page on Facebook. So you can take a look at it if you've never seen this uh USDA Fruit and Vegetable Truck Market Report. There's a lot of great information in there. Uh, also discusses and tells about freight rates. You have to take those rates that they are showing on this report with a grain of salt because those rates are a little bit inflated. 
They're not they don't they don't really have a good way to vet those. USDA just kind of takes what somebody tells them as as the gospel, and sometimes um, those rates are a little bit more than um, just a really really inflated. That's not really reality. Some of those rates they're showing on there. But with no further ado, let's jump over into this week's DAT trend lines report for May seventh through the twenty third. The van rates held steady at a dollar eighty five cents per mile last week while flat dead and reefer rates added one cents per mile. Low posting dipped 1.1% overall, including a 2.2% decline in freight availability for for vans. So we have to take that with the brain, uh, take that into a consideration if you're out here working on the spot market. You got to know what you're doing out here on the spot market, and that's what this podcast is all about, to try to help you take advantage of the spot market and also exploit the areas that, um, take advantage of the areas that are, are right and available for exploitation. Van demand, we're going to jump over into the demand for the, this last past week, May 17th through the 23rd. Van freight availability dipped 2.2% while truck capacity stayed steady. As a result, the national load to truck ratio fell 2.6% from 2.4 to 2.3 loads per truck. April lows added 24% versus the 20 versus uh, 2014. Compared with March, load availability dipped 7.3% in April and capacity added 12%. So the load to truck ratio slipped 17% to 2.8 loads per truck compared to April of 2014. There were 24% more loads posted on DAT's websites and 37% more trucks from an 8.9 percent dip in the ratio. Like I said, this is a USD, this is the uh, DAT trend lines report, so all these numbers are going to be based off of their reporting mechanisms off of their load boards. So let's jump over and see how the U.S. van rates performed for May 17th through the 23rd. The national average for van rates remained unchanged at $1.85 per mile last week. Even as rates rose in high volume lanes, outbound from Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, and Los Angeles. The national average fuel price was $2.90 per gallon last week. That was up two cents from last week. And let's see here. Rates fell seven cents in April. The average van rates for the month of April fell seven cents compared to March. The total rate was down 15 cents compared to April of 2014 due to a $0.22 cents drop in the fuel surcharge. Quickly going around the country, we're going to give you uh, these markets are based upon the, uh, the way that DAT breaks down the markets. We're going to start off in the northeastern corridor, showing an average national van average of $1.71 coming out of Philadelphia. That's the representative uh, city that they have on the market for the northeast. Dropping down into the mid-Atlantic and southeastern part of the United States, Atlanta is the highlighted market for the national van average, showing a $2.07 average for dry vans. Moving on into the Midwest, Chicago is the representative city, showing a $1.96 average per mile for dry vans coming out of the Chicago area in the Midwest. Dallas checks in for the south-central region of the United States showing an average of $1.82 per mile. And wrapping up the report for dry vans out on the West Coast, Los Angeles is the representative city, 
actually setting the high water mark for dry vans coming in at $2.09 per mile on average for dry vans coming out of Los Angeles, California. Moving on to the U.S. flatbed demand on the DAT trend lines report for the May 17th through the 23rd, flatbed load availability lost another 1.4% last week, while truck capacity was mostly unchanged, down 0.7%. The resulting load-to-truck ratio slipped 0.7% from 19.8 loads per truck to 19.6 loads per truck. Flatbed ratio was up 30%. Load volumes for flatbed rose 23% in April, while capacity slipped 5 points, boosting the load-to-truck ratio 30% compared to April 2014. The ratio declined 45%. Moving on over and checking in on the U.S. flatbed rates. Flatbed rates for May 17th through the 23rd, the national average rate for flatbeds rose one cent. Last week, up to $2.19 per mile for flatbeds. Checking in across the country. Well, wait a minute. Let's go through this little portion right here. Flatbed rates declined two cents in April. Compared to March, the total rate of $2.17 per mile is 17 cents lower than the national average of April 2014. Because of a 24 cent decline in average fuel surcharge year over year. As you know, this time last year, fuel was much higher, so that's, that's where your uh, decline comes in, that 24 cent decline comes in on an average fuel surcharge. Checking in in the northeastern corridor for flatbeds, the representative city that DAT has highlighted is Harrisburg, actually setting the high water mark for uh, flatbeds. Checking in at $3.98 per mile on average. Atlanta, once again, is the representative city for flatbeds on the rates, showing an average rate for the southeastern part of the United States at $2.56 per mile on average. Rock Island, Illinois, shows $2.54, being the Midwest representative for flatbed rates. Coming out of Houston right now showing an average rate of $2.25 per mile on average for the South Central region of the United States. And once again, Phoenix, doing the West Coast swing, shows an average coming out from the West at $1.77, which sets the low water mark for flatbed rates. Moving on over into the reefer segment for May 17th through the 23rd. Demand for reefers rose another 1.5%. Capacity added 1.4% last week. So the national load-to-truck ratio held steady at six loads per truck. And as everyone knows that pulls reefers, know it's getting ready. It's, it's prime time for reefers getting into full swing. Produce is moving pretty much at full bore here in the southeast. Um, reefer load availability declined 21%. In April, in capacity, added 15% compared to March. The resulting load-to-truck ratio lost 32% from 8.9 to 6.1 compared to April of 2014. The ratio fell 32% year-over-year as well. And let's get into some rates for the reefer for this past week. The national average rate for reefers rose another one cent last week to $2.18 per mile. Rates continue to trend up in Atlanta, Chicago, Sacramento, 
but outbound rates were unchanged in Dallas. April reefer rates dipped three cents. Reefer rates dipped three cents in April compared to March. The March average due partially to a two cent decline in average fuel surcharge. The total rate fell 16 cents compared to April of 2014, also due to fuel despite a six cent increase in the line haul average rate. Um, so we had an increase in the line haul average, but that fuel surcharge is, is still kind of hurting. Uh, keeping the rates a little bit soft. But if you're running a tight operation and you got everything under control, you still should be seeing nice profit margins in your operation. Checking in across the country, starting out in the Northeastern Corridor, coming out of Elizabeth, New Jersey, showing a $1.83 per mile average. That's the Northeast representative. Coming out of Lakeland, Florida, showing an average for reefers $2.49 per mile per average coming out of Lakeland, Florida. That's the southeastern representative. Setting the high water mark this week coming out of the Midwest, showing an average for reefers coming out of Green Bay at $2.65 per mile on average. The south central representative for reefers is coming out of the Rio Grande Valley, McAllen, Texas showing an average of $2.08 per mile coming out of McAllen, Texas. And wrapping up the rates, the reefer rates for this week coming out of Fresno, California. The average rate coming out of Fresno checking in at $2.31 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up our reefer, our uh, DAT trend line report for this week. And I think... I want to make sure before I bring them on, I think we have guest Chuck Snow lined up for us. Let's see. Chuck, is that you? That's me, Rico. All righty. Wanted to make sure, make sure I had you locked and loaded there. So, Chuck, well, I'm locked and loaded, a, buddy. Run. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I just gave a brief rundown on what's been going on for the past uh, past week and as far as the rates and everything is concerned. And I kind of gave a brief overview telling everybody that, you know, you want to kind of give us a little brief synopsis, Cliff Notes version of the building trucking business presentation that you gave at the CMC. So with that said, my friend, I'm going to just uh, turn the floor over to you. And if anyone out there has any questions, I know you may not have any right now, but if you do have a question that pops up or anything, just press the number one that puts you in the queue and we'll come to you and try to get you, get you on so that you can ask your question to either myself or Chuck. Uh, both of us might take a stab at it. So with that said, Chuck, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, thanks, Rico. I, you know, I really enjoyed the CMC this year. It was uh, I always have a good time, and I get to see you and a whole bunch of my other friends. And you and I even had, had the opportunity to have dinner a couple of nights, and that was a lot of fun. Um, as far as what we talked about at the CMC, we First of all, we discussed something that we've talked about on this show before. What's the purpose of owning your own trucking company? And, you know, if it's just to drive around and uh, create, you know, enough money to make a living is one thing. But if you're going to do it in order to build a business that you're going to be able to sell or pass on to the next generation, then it's a totally separate thing and you have to go about it totally different. You have to. You really have to put a lot of emphasis on financing and how much that costs, how much money you're going to need. Um, we also discussed human resources, what sort of people you're going to need, what sort of people you don't need. 
Um, you know, we talked about trucks, um, you know, what sort of value you could get, and uh, perhaps some alternatives such as uh, short and long-term leasing that enable a, a new operator to enter the market with more equipment than trying to save up cash flow for that second truck. Um, we talked about a myriad of things, you know, the, uh, but the big thing was cost and things you come up against, such as real estate, the advantages of buying it, the advantages of not buying it. Um, and if you do buy it, you buy it outside your operating company. We certainly talked about the vulnerability of being in the trucking business that we are so prone to attack from the members of the legal profession. And that's not a, I'm not trying to slight the, the noble legal profession, but it seems to be that we are the latest, uh, you know, we're, we're the latest chase for them. And uh, whether they think we're easy marks, I guess, because we all have insurance. Um, you know, the ambulance chasers no longer chase ambulances. Uh, they seem to chase trucks. And we talked about that a bit. Right. And I think my favorite, and I just wrote about this the other day in my blog, I think my favorite part of that whole seminar that I gave was the brilliant questions that came from the audience. And, of course, they'd be great questions because I think the people that attended that particular seminar, I think there was somebody said there's about 200 or 225 of them. Uh, they're pick of the, you know, they're cream of the crop, those people. Uh, just the fact that they have enough interest and uh, enough commitment to their business to take a week off and really go back to school. And that says a lot about right. them. And it certainly says a lot about the quality of questions that I was asked. And I think those questions had me thinking. Um, so it just shows you that the people that were, uh, that were there really were on side with what it takes. Um, and they wanted to learn. And there's just so much to to learn if you want to go into um, having your own trucking business. And I'm not just talking about getting your own authority and uh, going around and going to different load brokers and transport companies, getting extra work. I'm talking about what it takes to go out and get your own customers, which is something you and I banter back and forth about all the time. But if you're going to have a viable, yeah, Rico, if you're going to have a viable trucking company that you want to sell one day, you've got to have your own customers. You know, that's the whole thing that somebody's going to buy. Right. Because like you said, you know, like you told me, if you, if you don't have your own customers, basically all you got is equipment sales. That's right. And, you know, equipment, you can buy it in any auction right now. Uh, all you want is a dime a dozen. Um, you know, and there seems to be a little bit more available right now because of the demise of the oil industry. So, you know, that's really what we discussed were all the things that it takes to build your own company. And I think I had, you know, according to what people said to me after both, you know, in private and, and, uh, you know, in front of everybody, a lot of them didn't realize what it takes. You know, they thought it would be a lot easier. But it's pretty hard. Well, it, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's funny you say that, Chuck, because, and that's what, you know, provides so much value, and, and I enjoy the relationship that you and I have, is that, and one of the things that I try to tell a lot of people is, we have to if you find someone that is in a position where you want to be. So if you see someone 
you know, you got to kind of expand your circle a little bit. You got to be a little bit more diverse. But it's, it, it would benefit yourself to find someone that is at a higher level than what yourself, not, you know, if you see someone that is a higher echelon, such as yourself, someone that, that, that has a, a fleet of trucks that owns its own brokerage, that's something that I would aspire to be at the, at the pinnacle of, you know, where I see myself being at the pinnacle of my career, then I'm going to try to ask somebody that's already there, that's already can knowledge from that person and not just rely on, uh, you know, just the, uh, the urban legends that you hear at the truck stops and at the lunch counter. And that's what, uh, that's really what I want to try to provide with everyone today to give, give them an opportunity to go. Everybody don't have such uh, a personal cell phone number. <laughs> so I want to give everybody an opportunity to, to, to get a chance to maybe pick your brain as well. Well, they're welcome to it. You know, it's funny. If, you, if you're going to the lunch counter at the truck stop and you're getting your information, how valid is that information you're getting? How up-to-date is it? You know, is is that a, somebody that's operating one truck or is it somebody that maybe is operating five or ten and he knows what he's talking about? Um, you know, and things do change in this industry. They they change in a heartbeat. And you have to stay current. And that's a full-time job as well. You know, we get inundated here with all sorts of publications. Uh, I look at my desk now. I've got a... My God, I must have 30 magazines, and I uh, transport topics and everything else. And I do read transport topics, but I don't read it cover to cover the way I would like to because I just don't have the time. And right. But I do glance. Uh, I get the dailies, and I do glance when I do get the hard copy. I do glance over it. And what the other thing I do is whenever I take any time away from work, I grab all of my business publications, and I just have a marathon of reading. And it certainly right. keeps me up to date on, on issues and uh, challenges in the industry and opportunities as well. And I think that if you're looking for opportunities in this industry, I don't think you should be looking at what we're doing today or what's needed today. I think you really need to look, what's the, you know, what's the next thing coming down the, down the pike? And you've got to grab at that. Okay. So, Chuck, what if there's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. Let's say you got a guy that may be listening in and he right now is a company driver. Or he may not even be, uh, I actually got a question from someone this week that's not even necessarily uh, driving trucks, but they're thinking about starting a transportation company. Um, right. What would, be, what would be some things that you would probably throw out there We're talking about building a business? What would be, what would you suggest be the first thing to do with it? Should they, should they maybe start gauging the um, what what type of equipment should they be uh, you know look around? I try to tell people look in your backyard, see what is the most available or prevalent freight, and try to address that need as far as when you're looking at your equipment types, whether that be flatbed, drive drive van, reefer, uh, covered wagon, or whatever. What but what would your advice be to someone in that situation? Well, you know that's a great uh, that's a great point you're you're making there because. Sometimes the most obvious thing to do is not the best thing to do. And we talked about that during the seminar. You know, if you live in the meat patch and you're in a, let's say you're in an area that's got three or four different uh, packing companies, meat packing companies, it's pretty obvious that you'd probably go into the reefer business. 
but there's probably 20 other companies servicing the reefer needs of those plants. And you could get in there and probably make a living. The thing is, if one of those plants or all of those plants, something changes and they stop um, they stop slaughtering beef in that area for one reason or another. You never know. You know, maybe people uh, people's diets change in 10 years or, or whatever it is. Um, all of a sudden, what's your business worth? So I think right. sometimes the, what we have to do is look not at the obvious, because that's not where the real opportunities are. It's the it's really looking, thinking outside the box. And I think sometimes people in our industry don't look at what's right under our nose. You know, there's more opportunities, I think, for people starting out to look at the regional work. Forget about the Johnny Longhall stuff, you know, running from Florida to California and, you know, from the meat patch into California and bringing back produce. That's all been done. It's done all the time. And, you, yeah, you you turn dollars. And, you know, right now, uh, like you're saying, produce is, you know, it's paying really well. What happens when it doesn't pay well? Right. And I'm not saying, you know, you really need to look at what the what somebody is going to pay you down the road for that company that you built. And maybe you want to do something that's totally different. Maybe you want to do LTL on flatbeds. Maybe you, you know, there's some companies in the U.S. and not a lot of them, but there's some companies in the U.S. that are uh, have built up great businesses doing less than truckload on flatbeds and step decks. Start with one and you build it up. Uh, maybe you just want to do regional LTL. You don't need a $130,000 truck to do it. You know, you can do it with a ten or $15,000 day cap. Hey, and you can build a business from there. You know, you, all this fancy equipment, you know, today, you know, especially if you're running into California, you've got to have new equipment. It's expensive and it's unreliable. So, Maybe the answer is not there. And I think what's going to happen in California, I think as more and more of the little guys decide not to run in there, I think you're going to see more of the big guys see opportunities. Some of the mega carriers that are putting together um, new reefer divisions because they're seeing the opportunity, but they have the money too and they have the infrastructure. And when... We are legislated in the next three to six months. I think it's September now they're talking, um, you know, with the electronic logs. It's going to be harder for the little guy to do this, to be running coast-to-coast reefer. And I think what you're going to see is more of the um, hook and drop yards, even on produce. So what will happen is you'll have a carrier that runs, um, he'll run his truck from let's say, Los Angeles to Vegas, and his driver will leave it in a drop yard. Another, you know, another driver takes it from Vegas up to uh, Salt Lake City, and they're going to run across the U.S., just like they did, you know, when I got into this thing 40 years ago. And I think we're going to have to go back to that. So there may be opportunities in that even, in participating in, quote, unquote, the Pony Express. Right. And maybe there's opportunities for some of our listeners out there to, to look at that one way or another. 
there, there are, you know, there are opportunities. I think over lunch one day, um, a few of us were talking, and I had mentioned the fact about cooperatives. And right. somebody, I think it was Jimmy the Junkman, um, had right. said he had a great idea. Uh, form a cooperative where you can run uh, new reefers but old tractors right to the California lines. And then you have the new tractors, which are part of the cooperative, run them from the state line in California. And there's all sorts of things like that that people aren't doing now that maybe with the um, with the changes in legislation, there may be opportunities coming up. But it's thinking outside that box. And that's where your opportunities are going to be. Right. Whether you're, right. you know, whether you're a company driver with a dream or an owner-operator with a dream or a small fleet operator that's struggling and where his dream is turning into a nightmare, sometimes you've got to stop what you're doing in that case. You know, and do something different. You know, it's uh, right. what, what was the expression? Uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Absolutely, and and maybe you can. Um, we got a got a caller that's got a question. Um, we'll try and squeeze them in really quickly here. Caller calling in from area code two hundred one. I don't have my screener tonight, but you're on live with Rico and Chuck. What's your name, and how can we help? Hey, how are you, uh, Rico and Alex? Yes, hello. Yep. Yes, yeah. All right, go ahead, Alex. We got you. Yeah, I'm sorry, Rico. I spoke to you last week, and I got a great advice for you. Um, I actually bought uh, my truck, uh, my trailer already. I got an excellent now, uh, 2007, uh, Great Dane Utility with a spread axle. Paid pretty decent for it, and it's had a 2012 uh, King unit put on it. And uh, to get to the uh, front, I actually found a guy, a mechanic, who went and looked at it. Everything seems to be okay with the records that they said they have for the truck. Seals were new, not too many repairs. The cross members were good. The, you know, the trailer was in book of the chassis. Could it be happy that, you know, the unit only had like 8,000 hours on it, so it still has a lot of life on it. And I actually landed a couple of contracts, too. Uh, you know, some couple LTLOs that are going to pay pretty good. But uh, the question that I have now, now me being a newcomer to the reefer industry, um, and rates being so good now, but what happened when they start dropping in winter time and all those other months come? How do you stay, you know, productive and get the, you know, get the best and another thing too? Uh, you think I should get like a more aerodynamic truck to run the reefer now that I'm going to be doing longer miles based on the type of work that I was doing, which is more like original type of work, more no less than probably 600 miles a day that I would do round trip. Would a like a mobile dynamic truck would make sense for me, and and now the thing that the, your your caller your guest was talking about about Elax, uh, I didn't, I didn't that's the first time I heard of that. I've been so disconnected from that part of the industry. So that means that us little guys will have to go on Elax. We will now be able yes. to go on Piplax no more. Everybody's going on Elax. Everybody. Oh, great. You know what? It's the way. It's the way it is, man. We can't fight City Hall. Um, you know, it's just you're, we're going to have a level playing field. There are some characters out there, I guess, today still that probably don't do it legal, and they're running two and three logbooks, and there are other people, thank goodness, that do it legal, and this is going to make everybody conform. And if you're one of those guys that conforms, then you should be happy. 
um, because that means that everybody's singing off the same song sheet. Mm, well, I'm <laughs> I was just going to make it harder because, you know, when you go to a truck stop for the night, everybody's going to be slipping. There will be no parking spot. That's a whole other issue. Um, as far as your question, if you don't mind me answering it, uh, as far as an aerodynamic truck, get your feet wet uh, first. Yeah, you may be able to save some money on it with an aerodynamic truck. I don't know what you're running right now. I think that a lot of times making some slight changes in your driving habits um, will uh, have a big effect. Uh, how fast do you drive? Um, I find, uh, well, lately, uh, I dropped a little bit. I used to run 70 because I used to do like 600 miles a day round trip. I, we, I used to go from Jersey to Rochester, New York, do an intermodal. And, uh, and I just would run out of hours if I was to drive 50, right. 60. But, uh, like, you know, my truck, you know, is a classic. It's not the most aerodynamic, but it gets pretty good miles. I get with all the stuff that I've done to it, I get 6.7. Six point six point six seven six point three six point five depending, but I mean it's I mean I think it's pretty decent for such a big truck because it's a condo, it's a classic XL, and yeah. I've done a lot of work to it, and it gets six point five. Let's just six point five six point six to be more on the conservative side, but keep in mind I do the same thing every day. I do six hundred miles every day from Monday to Friday. So it's very predictable. Well, you can, you know, you don't have to get rid of your truck. You can do some work on your truck. Um, now you're gonna, you bought a reefer. Where are you gonna go with that reefer? Well, um, I bought a reefer. Like I said, a very nice reefer, Green Day utility with a nice unit. Uh, um, I got a contract with HMM Bay to do a couple of their LTO loads. You know, they pay pretty good. And, and where are you going? Uh, uh, from from the from Boston to all the way down to Texas and back. Okay, well, so you're doing long distance. Um, mm-hmm. My best advice, now, how heavy are you? They're saying I'm not really heavy. They're doing the most that we're around probably 40,000. Okay, uh, are you 40,000 both ways? Mm, not, it all depends. They said that that's the, the heaviest load that they probably put out is 40,000 pounds, so you'd be like around 78, 79 neighborhoods. Well, what I would do is I would just play it by ear and see what you're um, see what you're averaging out as far as weight. Um, I met a uh, I met a gentleman at um, in when we were in Kansas City, uh, Mike, and he's running a big, beautiful, long nosed Peterbilt, and he put a he changed his axles, and he's got the front axle on the drives as a lift axle. And and he's running the single super singles, and okay. he's running a big Peter but long nose Peterbilt classic. And if I'm not mistaken, he's getting much better fuel mileage than you are. Wow, I mean, and so you don't have to change your truck. You may have to change some components, and it didn't cost him a whole lot of money to do it. It's not cheap, but you know, fuel's expensive. Yeah, I but, mean, right. um, he's running a lot of empty. Oh, okay. Well, I got me a great fuel card discount. I went to an, an Astix uh, fuel card program, and uh, I could, I'm getting a great discount to become a member with them. I mean, I could yep. get it, like, and I'll get it, I'll start getting fuel up, probably, for 255 a gallon. 
when, uh, right. when they advertise it for the regular cat at 305 or 303. So that's really good. That's a couple of pennies off, you know, better than... Yeah, but what really got my, my brain curious is the uh, legislation on the lab book. So, I mean, how's that going to work? And when does that... When will it go in effect? Or when would you think it will be legislated and if it's really going into effect? I mean, uh, really, this is the first time I heard of that. To be honest with you. Really? It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's I'm coming. Yeah, I'm myself. Yeah, well, just like uh, just like fall and winter are coming, uh, electronic logbooks are are coming. Now, I've heard a couple of different stories. I've heard that we uh, it's starting in September. That's what I heard. Um, and there's going to be a, a gradual rollout. I think it's the larger carriers first. Mm-hmm. Rico, am I right on that? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, Chuck, but I, but as you know, I've already switched my operation over to electronic log. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, we, so you know what, we're switching, clear, yeah, we're switching guys over, uh, truck by truck here. The first thing we do is we find when we have drivers that are not able to manage their log books effectively, their paper log books, they, we just pull them up, you know, pull them away. They go on, um, electronic logs and the vast majority of these drivers are coming back to us saying wow this electronic log does a whole lot better at logging than i ever could and i've had several drivers come in and owner operators that as soon as we handed them a paper log they said i'm not using this uh get me electronic logs so they're not all bad. They they can be difficult in certain situations where you're not able to manage your time uh, when other people are managing them, uh, your time. Um, and I think that's going to change. I think uh, an awful lot of the um, the distribution centers throughout the continent where they abuse drivers and they take forever to unload or load a driver that driver is going to run out of hours on their property. And the driver is not going to be able to move his truck. And that is starting to happen. So I think things will change probably within the next 24 to 36 months as far as how drivers are treated because these big distribution centers all of a sudden are going to have have to have extra parking for these trucks that are going to run out of hours on their property. So it's not all bad. Right. You're just going to have to um, do things. You manage your time. Yeah, I want to put Alex on the call. Uh, had to move on from Alex. Appreciate the call, uh, Alex. You got another caller with a question. But uh, before we move on to the next caller, just uh, going back as far as building the business and everything, and I've always gotten approached by people asking the questions of, well, how do you find these customers? How do you? What do you do? Uh, anything that you want to kind of you know, uh, go into that a little bit on before we go to the next caller? Well, you look around, you you know, when you're in an area and you see a whole bunch of trucks in a, in a, uh, in a factory, that company has freight. You phone them up and you get, or you do some research using social media or just make friends with the receptionist and find out who the distribution or the traffic manager is or the, uh, logistics manager and introduce yourself and tell them what you do. And like I always say, if you've got one truck, 
don't tell him you run all over because he doesn't want to hear that. Have a definite plan. Say, you know, I, I run between Charlotte and Raleigh, or I run between Charlotte and Atlanta. This is what I do. When you tell somebody you have one or two trucks and you operate all 48 states, unless you're operating some pretty specialized equipment, you're really no use to that logistics manager. You know, he can only give you one load a week, if that. That's right. And when you're so, gone, with you're that, gone. You absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to let a uh, caller from the 480 area code get in here to have a question. Caller, what's your name? And you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, uh, yeah, my name's Cliff. Uh, I'm out of Arizona. I uh, used to I think just about answered the question I was going to ask. I, I drive for a guy that's got two trucks, and he seems to be struggling a little bit. We go through uh, brokerage, and I guess I was trying to figure out how to. He's from Romania, and he's a little bit challenged on the, uh, the locals. I really think the trucking industry here is not doing too bad. He drove trucks up in Europe. Can you can you adjust your microphone a little bit? It sounds like you're a little bit far away. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that any better? Yeah, that's a little bit better. All right. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess I was trying to figure out how every time that we go and try to uh, get our own customers, and you tell them we only got two trucks, and they don't really. They don't really seem to be very interested. You know, they're afraid that you're going to get someplace and not have anybody to, to pick up a load if you break down or something like that. Um, but I guess, I guess maybe what you were saying is that you need to have a definite, uh, a definite lane that you're interested in. And uh, I guess that makes sense. We go, I go out of Nogales uh, uh, usually. We have reefers and uh, get loads out of Nogales and go up to the northeast. And, and then after you get to the northeast, it's a bit miss. So, yeah, you're really, Cliff, you're no good to most shippers because you're running too far with too few trucks. Now, if you had a couple hundred trucks and you said, I run from the northeast to Nogales, your phone would probably be ringing off the hook. Exactly. But because you, and this is where, Load brokerage has done so wonderful, and third parties have done so wonderful throughout the continent. If you look what these companies trade for when they're sold, you know, it's, it's mind-boggling. And the reason is because they call up that same shipper and they go, whatever you need, I got it. So when they have a load going from Jersey to Nogales, they just phone up that load broker and he puts it on a load board, and he makes his 8 or 10 or 12 or 15%, whatever, and you take the load. Right. right. Um, that's, so that's where are you based on it? We go through a lot of the big ones. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with you know the big ones. You, but if that's what, how you want to run your business, um, you know, that's, that's fine. It works, and it's proven. Um, you, know, we run, you know, we run a brokerage operation here in Canada. It's a, you know, it's a viable business for everybody. Um, but if you're trying to build your own business and your own customer base, you're going to have to change what you do. Exactly. So I guess 
maybe the best thing would be to, to uh, check everybody out. We live in Arizona. Uh, in where, where are you based out of, Cliff? In, in uh, Phoenix. Oh, you're based in Phoenix? Well, you know, yeah. I'll give you an idea. If I was if I was going to do this and I was based in Phoenix, I would look at running Phoenix to L.A. Yeah, the trouble is our trucks are too old for L.A. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big problem. Find another area. Yeah, find another area that feeds Phoenix. Right. That is uh, that you could get to comfortably within a half a day or a day. Right. Yeah, we did a lot of loads. Usually, when I do come up, when I leave home, I go to Nogales on the or Yuma, pick up produce, and take it to the Northeast. And the struggle to get back to Phoenix, I like to be out for three, four, five weeks at a time. And right. The struggle of getting back to Phoenix is, is finding somebody that's actually sending something to Phoenix. It's usually, if I work my way back to either Denver or somewhere in Texas, I can get a load to go into Phoenix. So, right. you know, I was thinking a nice run would be either either Phoenix to Denver, or I don't know if it's up there, but uh, or Phoenix to, to Dallas or Houston. Well, I don't think Phoenix to Denver, I can't see that working because, um, pardon my language, there, neither one of them is, you know, there's not a lot of freight out of either of them. Uh, Denver is notorious for being a, a difficult city. They, they consume a whole lot more than what they produce. Now, somebody at the, um, at, uh, in Kansas City was saying, that there are some meatpacking plants outside of Phoenix, outside of um, uh, Denver, uh, that they knew of and they were hauling out of there. Now, maybe there is. Um, I know that for the most part, those meatpacking plants, they certainly don't ship very much into Canada. Now, maybe they are shipping into Phoenix. Now, I've never seen a whole lot of freight come out of Phoenix either. Yeah, most of the freight that... Yeah, I've never. I, I've only gotten one load out of Phoenix itself. And incidentally, that was to Denver, and it was uh, I think it was Gatorade or something. But uh, most of the loads that I get, I just I did head down to Nogales and Yuma get produce because we've got a lot of produce. It's, uh, it's but that's seasonal. Yeah, it's exactly. great, but it's you know, it's what yeah. are you going to do during the middle of the summer? Yeah, it's winding down now. It'll be pretty soon to start winding down. Then we're, then we're struggling trying to find stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that's a I, tough one. I, 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 was, I was trying to tell him, you know, we ought to get uh, it's, try and get a dedicated uh, dedicated lunch to somebody. You know, instead of just hitting this brokers, get some customers. Well, you know, I what about going to one of those... Um one of those dollar stores. Um, I noticed they've got different people pulling their trailers, and maybe you could do shorter runs for them. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually looking at Walmart. Well, I don't think that you, I don't think you're going to have much luck with Walmart. Um, it's a very very difficult. Uh, 
company to to maneuver with because they want large carriers. They, uh, you know, they're good people to work with, but uh, you have to really. They want new equipment. They want all sorts of things. Um, they're pretty strict on who's hauling their freight. So that would be a difficult one. But you may have better luck with a smaller chain, uh, one of the you know dollar store chains or somebody like that. It may yeah, be easier to work idea. with. They're, they're big in here. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different ones. Yeah. And uh, something like that. Maybe even a grocery chain. Uh, some of those grocery chains I notice in the U.S. Uh, and in Canada for the regional work are using smaller carriers. Yeah, and you don't have to provide... Yeah. Yeah, and the good part about that for a truck owner is you spend, if you're getting paid by the hour, you spend more time in loading docks than you do driving. Yeah. I almost do now, but I don't get paid for it. <laughs> well, this would be a different thing because you would get paid by the hour. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's something to say. Anyway, I'll listen to you guys, and I appreciate it. No problem. Nice talking to you. Good luck. We appreciate the phone call. Let's right. move on, Chuck. We got a caller that's calling in from the uh, 605 area code that wants to ask a question. Caller calling in from the 605. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Rico, Chuck, this is Joe Cox. How are you guys tonight? Good. How you doing? Joe, my friend. How you been doing? Really, really good, especially after today. Uh, on that topic there, yeah, I was con- making con- a delivery con- up congratulations, in Minnesota Joe. today. And, really quick, uh, Joe. I got hey, out of Joe. the truck to open my doors. Yes, sir. Really, really quick. I just wanted to tell you congratulations on the on the, on the grandchild. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, that 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 makes my day, buddy. But uh, I got up to make a delivery, and before I could open my doors, they were already soliciting me on how I could help them solve their transportation issues. Wow. They they are tired of uh, lying brokers and lying truck drivers. They said I showed up clean, presentable, on time. Uh, the only one that made a phone call to them to verify that I was coming in and what their hours were. And uh, long story short, town has 1,700 people in it, little uh, mom and pop and two sons are on it. I've got their inbound and outbound freight now. Congratulations. Well done, uh, man. It's, it, it, it's that easy. All you have to do is, you know, people, and like I said, I couldn't even open my doors fast enough, and they're saying, man, we, we've got transportation issues. I said, well, okay, <laughs> good, I can help you. <laughs> it's not hard. You know what? I think sometimes people in this industry make it hard. They uh, They don't look the part. They, or maybe they do look the part, unfortunately. Um, you know, they go into a shipper. They, uh, their attitudes are lousy. They look like they just got out of bed or they look like they're going to the beach. They don't look professional. And nobody takes them very serious. No, it was interesting because I had planned on talking to them. I thought, wow, this goes 60 miles from the house. I, I thought, well, you know, I'll talk to them. I didn't get the opportunity. They approached me. And they're so happy that they said, you know, we'll unload you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We just live down the street. We'll give you our phone numbers. And 
man, I said, you don't have to go up that, that extent. You know, we'll be here during working hours and help you with whatever you need. He said, well, would you be interested in outbound to it? I said, well, let's talk. Wow. And, and uh, one thing that I try to bring, another thing that I try to uh, flash the light on and what I try to share with people is don't make the misconception of, well, I got my own truck. I run my own business. I can do what I want to do and how I want to do it. One thing that you still have to realize that this is a service industry. And one thing that I try to equate, I try to make parallels between having a really good waiter. When you go to a restaurant and you got a really good waiter, you always kind of have a certain affinity for that restaurant in that waiter. When you go to that restaurant, you want to sit in that waiter section. Well, try to treat your truck and business just like that good waiter at that good restaurant. You want to set yourself apart. Any waiter can come and get your drinks or anything, you know, come take your drink order or whatever, but it's a certain way that you handle the customer while they're there with you, the experience that they have with you while you're serving them that helps transcend, transcend you and puts you in a higher echelon in a different position. And they see you in a different light. And those things come through with, like you just said, uh, Joe, when you do the little things, when you make the, the, the follow-up phone calls just to confirm, hey, I got your load, I'm coming in, you know, want to make sure what time you guys are going to be ready. It takes a proactive approach. It's, it's small little things. It's not nothing uh, grandiose, but those small little things, those small little intricacies are the things that help set you apart and make people recognize you and say, hey, I want to I do business with that person right there. Oh yeah, I mean, I, when I when I was pulling into his dock, he looked at his watch, and then when he came out there, he said, "You know, you told me what time you'd be here. You're here." It's like, well, golly, that's what I told you I'd be here. Yep, uh, and, you know, so many guys don't get it in our industry, and that's why they fail. Um, and Rico, you were right when you just said there's so many people that because they own a truck they think they're they're god's gift to freight well there's eight million trucks or something in the united states so you've got to be like joe if you want to get somewhere well yeah because that, that guy mean, is what, a customer what, what, what? you know i am his customer but he is my customer i am dependent upon him to write that check to pay me and his customers when i take that product is his customer but if i screw up his customer do you think he's going to want me to come back and be his customer anymore? No. So it's a triangle. Everybody sits there and says, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Really, at the end of the day, just do what you say and say what you do, and you'll have no problems. Yes, you're so right. Joe, you got to remember, and, and I think you, you've really hit, hit the nail on the head, your customer's customer is your customer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they pay that, they pay that customer's bills. And if they don't pay that customer's bill, I don't have a customer to pay me. You know, whenever a customer asks me something and says, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, I always go, bother me? You're not bothering you. You you feed my family. You don't bother me. (laughs) That's right. And that's that's the attitude that we have to have if we're going to be successful. And that's why there's so many unsuccessful people in our industry is because they've got lousy attitudes. A shower a week really helps. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> and I hope people out there are listening. Um, when when you're doing your job and you're you're in your truck and you're driving, 
you need to look professional, whether you go into a scale um, or you go in to see a customer, whether it's a shipper or a receiver, and you look like you're going to the beach. Um, you got a muscle shirt on with your big belly sticking out and short pants and your sandals. I'm sorry, but I think you look like an idiot. And and I've seen people a number of times that are, are dressed like that that are that are harassed at scales. They don't get through the border quickly when they have to go in, and customers look at them like without respect. And I think that when you dress the part, which is the first thing, because when you dress the part, and I'm not talking about wearing a suit or tie or a uniform. I'm just talking about wearing clean clothes and, and wear proper footwear and just look respectable when you're working. That's all. So when you go into that customer, you go get stopped at that scale, and they call you in, and you don't look like you're going to the beach, I think it goes miles. Uh, yeah, and I, I carry a little electric leaf blower with me, and when I pulled out of the dock, the guy was kind of looking at me because I blew out my trailer, and he says, wow, never seen anybody do that. I said, well, I'm getting my trailer ready for my next customer. There you go. They suffer from the, 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 the T-shirt mentality. You know, you see the T-shirts, you know, I'm a truck, I get paid to, to, to haul your crap, not take your crap. And <laughs> you know, that's, that's part of the, you know, saying that we have to make the transition when you start getting serious about really wanting to build your business. You have to come away from the mentality of, and, and I'm not saying that there's no such thing as a bad customer. There are such things as bad customers, but you you, you have to learn and, and cultivate your um, problem-solving skills and how to, you know, how to manage and maneuver correctly around certain situations. But, you know, that, that, that requires, you know, some of the things that, like, the high recommendations about reading books, you know, being able to get your mind out of your, your comfort zone, the level that you're most familiar with, and expanding some of your horizons, being able to look at things in a different way so that you, when you're in different situations, you can have them and see it for what it is and, and hopefully um, tactfully navigate a difficult situation without turning somebody off. Well, yeah, our, our largest customer we've had for 23 years, probably half a million dollar a year customer, and he says, man, I wish I could find more like you. And I said, what do you mean, Jim? And he says, well, you don't call me crying and whining when things go wrong. I said, what good does it do to call, to call you and cry and whine? We solve the problems. And he says, yes, that's what I need. And that's why I've been hauling there for 23 years. I've had that contract longer than my sons have been alive. <laughs> that's they, wonderful. They've raised, they, they've raised my kids. They've built my house. they put me where I'm at. And life is good when you really go out there and do it. And you treat it as a job and a profession. And you take pride in your ride and you take pride in your day. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. It's just customers want to be treated with respect. Um, and, and whether that customer is a direct customer, even a broker, you know, it's the, uh, I know here there are certain carriers that do a wonderful job. They call in, they don't lie. They're our first call. You know, if we know that they service an area, we don't put the stuff on a load board. We call them direct. Oh yeah, yeah. Most of your cust- most of your stuff. If you do your job right, you're not looking for loads. 
You know, your good your good plate's never going to see a load board. No, no, no. Right. And, and guys, I see that you're almost out of time, Rico. So I'll get off here. I really appreciate it. And thanks, Rico, for for the thank you. Well, thank you. Good night, Joe. Joe. Uh, nice talking. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. You bet. Bye bye. And actually, actually, uh, I, I I knew that we were going to kind of have a uh, uh, a little bit of a. Uh, a lot of people want to get some questions in and actually and actually to get on with you, Chuck. So I, I went ahead and uh, I extended our time a little bit. So we got a little bit more time. We got about okay. Yeah, so got thanks, Rico. Minutes, so so uh, thank you. We got another caller. Got another question. Uh, caller calling in from nine five six. So if you got a question, we still got a little bit more time. You can press uh, press number one to jump in the queue. Caller calling in from the nine. Oh, oh there he is. Nine five six area code. Nine five six area code. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can I help? <laughs> yeah, there's there's no place over there. Um, uh, Call you. I think to, if you're listening to, to it on, you don't have no way of talking to nobody there after hours. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, because um, I can't hear him. I can't hear him either. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you back on hold, caller. If you can, it sounded like you were kind of listening through. You might have had your phone plugged in through your speakers or something. You have to turn your radio down because it gives a nasty little feedback on our end, and we can't hear what it is that you're trying to say. Um, I'll try and come back to you here in just a second. We got another caller calling in from 715 area code. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, guys. Um, Talking about, you know, I'm on board with you about, uh, you know, looking good, keeping the equipment looking good, you know, and I've not ever really had any real issues with with customers um i've had my own authority now since last fall and i do probably mostly spot market freight i've got a couple direct customers but you know they have several several carriers they use and so um when they're busy they'll use me but i'm you know i don't really know how to uh necessarily get you know without some time you know higher up on that list but one thing that I do run into a lot, um, and it's more so with brokers, um, uh, but, you know, balancing family with service because, you know, it just never fails. You know, if you'll sit around, you know, and be slow all week, and then they'll want you to run all weekend when your kids are home. You know, and I, I run a regional, you know, type thing, and I, I really do try to be home. You know, I realize that a lot of guys aren't doing that, but. You know, I, have you guys dealt with that or, you know, how do you say no tactfully or balance that? I mean, I don't, I don't mind working over a weekend occasionally, but I, I really do value that time to be home with my kids. Well, you know what? Uh, I respect that. And, um, you know, but you have to understand that in the world we live in today, there's nothing sacred. Uh, Sunday certainly isn't sacred anymore. Uh, Christmas Day is becoming less sacred. Um, you know, and these brokers, their customers are saying, hey, uh, we need you to pick this up in, uh, you know, in Chicago on Friday and deliver it to, uh, to Minneapolis on, on Sunday or whatever it is. And right. the broker's yep. just following orders that the customer gives him. And, yep. If that doesn't suit your lifestyle, and I certainly respect that, then you should probably look at gearing your business to, uh, you say you're regional, maybe you need to go closer regional. 
um, you know, and, and gear it to a 200-mile radius of your home. Mm-hmm. And that way you don't, you know, nothing's going to interfere with your family. And you could get up early on Monday morning at, you know, at 5 o'clock in the morning and be able to meet a 9 o'clock delivery appointment. Yeah. Oh. Because the right. brokers are well. not going to... You know, they're not going to change because their customers are giving them direction. They're not inventing these shipping hours. It's when something is ready and when something's got to be there. And right. there's a yep. demand and there's a requirement and there's a there are other people out there, um, whether it's other small carriers or some of the big guys with orange trucks in Wisconsin that will do anything that they have to. There's a price attached, but they're regional yep. as well as long distance. Right. And well, you know, well, I, 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 I get that. I wanna, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to jump in real quick here. Just one more thing. I want to, I want to kind of add a little caveat to this part, of, and and Chuck maybe get some more input on this part. But tonight we were talking about building a business, and you were talking about that you don't necessarily want to run on the weekends. And if we're gonna, if we truly want to start building a business, we want to come away from the standpoint where everything is dependent upon the work that you do as the business owner. That means that you have just lost yourself a job. If you don't have, we want to talk, start talking about um, getting employees. You being, you putting yourself into more of a managerial standpoint. And that's okay. really uh, yeah. building a business. That's when you start really starting to expand. When we start talking about bringing on more trucks, hiring drivers. Those are, I mean, that's the, the real conundrum, especially for myself that I'm trying to go through is, is getting and keeping good qualified drivers and people that to help build my business. But I think that's an answer to your, to the conundrum that my opinion, I think that's the answer to the conundrum of you wanting to be home where you can be home. If you, if you can manage it, if you can find someone to replace yourself with that has to do with the day-to-day uh, tactical operations of the, of, of the trucking industry, which is driving the, driving the truck. If you can hire yourself a driver or get more, have more, uh, more employees to, to do those day-to-day, day-in-and-out tactical uh, uh, um, mundane work positions, then that puts you in a position to where now you're managing and now you, you have more of your time to do more things with. Um, Chuck, I don't know if you want to maybe throw a little bit more on top of that or expand on well, that. Well, that's more. what it's all about. If you, you know, that's really if you're, you've gone out and got your own authority and you're trying to build your business... That's what it should be about if you're trying to build this business um, where you're managing. Uh, you're managing the business. The business isn't managing you. Correct. Okay. So, you know, uh, Rico's got, got a great point. If, you know, if you don't want to be the guy behind the wheel, that's fine. Uh, you know, build your business in such a way so when the broker calls you on Friday afternoon and said, you know, I've got a load loading in um, in Chicago, and I need you to take it. It doesn't matter whether it's going to California or New Mexico. You can say, yeah, I can do it. You know, and you can do it because you've got a, you got a good person working for you that you know is reliable and you're going to put them behind the wheel of your truck and they're going to go and do the work. Mm -hmm. And that's what it takes. Uh, And you can't drive 10 trucks at one time. Right. And you'll be, you know, if you weren't driving the truck, then you can concentrate on whatever business you want to do and, and getting those customers. 
and planning mm-hmm. and building that business. And it's a huge step. And you have to figure out whether you really want to do it or not. Yeah. A lot yeah, of people yeah. a lot of I, people are just I, satisfied I, driving a truck. Well and that's right. kinda, I, I'll be I'll be honest with you, I I I see owner operators one truck guys that have built what I would consider it's not wouldn't be necessarily a saleable business like what you talked about, but at any rate, I, it's been very successful for them. And I, I, I guess I take a little exception to the idea that you can only build a business by having multiple trucks. Why do I have to be Don Schneider? Why can't I be just me? You can you know? be you. Nobody says you can't be you. Um, and that's fine. And I respect those guys that want to drive a truck. And to be honest with you, sometimes I really envy those guys that are just driving a truck. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to die broken naked anyways. Um, so you right. may as well have fun while you're here. You can only sleep in one bed and you can only eat one steak at a time. Um, it's really whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Don Schneider's not with us anymore. He passed away, I think, last year, the right. year before. Right. Yep. From Alzheimer's. With all his money, he still died. So, yep. you know, at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy and what works for your family. Right. And, and you know, and you, I, I don't disagree that there are people who are born to manage huge. I mean, that's why CEOs make millions of dollars, you know, because they're there to make that tough decision when it has to be made. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I guess that's even kind of where, you know, I, as I listen to this and stuff, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly where I want to go with this thing. I, I started it because I, you know, I, I don't know. It just kind of snowballed into, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a mistake on my part, but I've been having fun with me, it, you know, and I'm making money at let me, it. Let me, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you have any, do you have any written goals for this year? I do not. No, I, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I know that those are things that a guy needs to, needs to do. You know, I, I've listened to enough of these podcasts now that I, I realized I need to step things up some. And, uh, um, and I, I, by the way, I'm grateful for you guys to be out there and offer, you know, what you're doing. It's, it's awesome. And, uh, it's our place to do. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going with it. You know, right now I'm having fun. You know, and so that's maybe good. That's, and you're making a living, um, and you're feeding your family, and you should be proud of that. And you know, you may very well spend the next twenty or thirty or forty years driving your truck, making a good living, enjoying your family, and you know, there's nothing. There's nothing you should be ashamed of with that. You're you're earning an honest living, um, and you're having fun, and you're enjoying your job, um, and you're servicing a need. Um, you need to be proud of that, um, and you know that that's fine. Um, and there's going to be you'll find you're you're fairly new at this. You've been doing it for just over a year, and if you keep at it, you're going to find that there are some carriers or brokers that are going to give you work that will understand that your timetable is somewhat limited, that you are not able, your schedule, you're not able to run uh, on weekends. And there's we have drivers like that that can't work weekends because, um, you know, they 
they've got families, you know, they've got young families and, uh, and maybe they're single dads or, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, right. or, or maybe their wives work and the wives work weekend and we accommodate them. And yep. there's no, there's no shame in that, man. You're, you're feeding your family. You need to be proud of it. Uh, as for the other stuff, you want to build your business and hire people to drive trucks and all sorts of stuff. You can do that too. You know, it's America's a great country. You can do what you want. Yep. You got a great playing right. field down there. there. I love it. Right. Well, yeah, there's certainly no right or wrong way to do it. I, I think that, you know what I'm saying, as long as you, at the end of the day, as long as you are happy and when you lay your head on the pillow, it's it's nice, soft, and comfy, and, and, and you're good with that, man, you know, far be it from anyone to tell you, oh, you're doing it wrong or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, just maybe offering a different, you know, just a different viewpoint on, you know, if you, if you want to try to grow your business to try to afford yourself, more time with your family, you know, yep. some some other yeah. options that and you might have to start to consider. Yep. Okay. And I and I and I I uh, I, I agree with you. That's that's uh, you know. It, I guess you know the, the gist of my whole question is: that, Is it ever okay to say no to a customer? I mean, you know, absolutely. Or are you going <laughs> to expect? Are you going to expect to lose? Well, maybe not lose a customer, but you know, at you know, they're they're going to be like, well, you know, then that next guy who can offer that service, you know, how how do you can you gain that loyal can you gain that loyalty without giving everything away? You know what I'm no. saying? No, you you know what? Uh, this is a this is a dog eat dog business. It is. I'll and, agree with you there. <laughs> okay, and. People are about, for for the most part, people are quite often about as loyal as alley cats. They are, they're looking, what's in it for me? If they have to call you and coerce you into taking a load, they're going to call the next guy. So, you know, yeah, you can't say no. That's part of the business we're in. We're in a highly competitive business. So when you start saying no to customers, you can't do this, you can't do that, they're going to get real tired of you very quickly. I think that there, I don't know, Chuck, I, I don't know, help me out on this one, because I think that there are some times when you do have to, you know what I'm saying, when you do have to, but then you set your limits on how to deal with a certain customer when they, when when sometimes, like if you have a bad customer, sometimes I've heard different, uh, That's different. people such as... <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know what? We had a customer here. We had a customer up here in Canada that was making shampoo. He was a three million dollar a year LTL customer, and we fired him right. because he was That's a bad customer. The sure right. bad customers. When customers don't pay you for the services they ask for, they are bad customers. When customers tell you one thing and do another, they start being really bad customers, and you need to make a decision sometimes whether they're how much you're going to take. Um, you know, sometimes you do need a little bit of poop because they give you a lot of volume and they get you into areas that you need to get to, and that's a decision we all make as business people. Yeah, there's some, uh, you know, there's some times we do that, but if you have a customer that is constantly being a pain in the neck 
and you're not able to make your money, you cut them loose. Um, But if you have a customer that pays his bills and is, you know, is a good customer, when you say no to them, they will stop calling you. Now, sometimes a customer will ask you to do stuff where you just can't do it, okay? It doesn't make sense. You've got a drive-in or you've got a, a reefer and a customer wants you to provide um, a, you know, a double drop deck with three axles uh, and take an over-width load from you know, Chicago to San Francisco, and you just, it's not your business. It's not what you do. Right. So what you do there is say, you know, I don't do that, but... I'll get to the name of somebody that does. You know, that's one thing. That's another thing, too. I wanted to uh, jump on this real quick, Chuck. And we got a couple more phone calls. We, now we're starting to run close on time. But really quickly, that's the, the beauty of having a relationship from the CMCs and any other association that you join where you meet other carriers that you know uh, someone, you may be able to have the name of someone that's in a different field of business than what you and what you participate in, and then you can offer that person a referral and hopefully just out of the, the spirit of reciprocity that they in turn will remember you when it comes time when they bump into somebody that has something that they don't necessarily do that you offer, they can, uh, you know, um, in return give you a referral to a to potentially a really good customer for the type of business that you're in. That relationship building that comes out of the CMC to, to get those relationships with, with other carriers and things of that nature is, is one of the invaluable uh, end products of, of being in, in attendance at such events such as the CMC. Um, I totally and, agree. And with that said, I'm going to jump into caller calling in from the 404 area code. We got Two more lined up behind that one, so we're going to try to get through these really quickly. Caller from the 404, what's your name? You're, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hello, caller. Rico, uh, this is Jason Allen. I'm from the 404. I guess I'm, I'm the next caller up. Jason Allen with yes, the sir, National Jason. Minority Trucking Association. And uh, yes, sir, I Jason, just tuned in, so I didn't, I didn't hear uh, the first hour of your broadcast. So my first question is, can I can I listen to it on a podcast uh, in an archive? Can I go back and, and listen to the to this entire uh, discussion? And if so, when when is it available? Absolutely, uh, Jason. As soon as the podcast is over, we it, it is uh, released immediately. You can go back and listen to it immediately uh, on uh, Blog Talk Radio. I will be providing a link after the podcast is over where you can go back and listen to it. Uh, almost immediately, as soon as it's over. So, yes, yes, it is available, and it is recorded. Okay. And my second question, uh, if it's not being redundant, because I don't know, maybe you covered the whole pricing issue of of uh, what uh, what's, what's reasonable pricing, uh, and without going back through the whole discussion, if you can just give me that, that bullet point of, of uh, the reasonable pricing for your customers. That's a real Ooh, open that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jason, we, that, we, we, had, we hadn't necessarily broached that one because that one, when we talked about it at the beginning of the show, we kind of give a uh, trend line report of the previous week from DAT. Uh, it kind of gives a broad overview. It's kind of broad strokes, uh, but it gives a broad overview of the, the, the market on a spot market level for 
all for for it's not all different uh, transportation modes, but it gives you a, a, a snapshot for dry vans, for reefers, and also for uh, flatbeds for from the previous week, and, and those are actual freight bills that have been turned in, uh, paid freight bills that have been turned in from at least three different um, companies and and uh, at least three different brokerages. Those are actual bills that, so, it, so it's a, a bare minimum of those numbers that comes across in that DAT report. So it's, it's a pretty good information that we give across on that, and we talked a little bit about the USDA uh, truck rate report that the USDA puts out every Wednesday. But... Uh, try to caution people with the USDA report as far as the truck rate is concerned on their reports because those numbers are far from reality. But that may, so that may be a, a good question to be, you, had, to be had at a future okay, show. You can, you can expect those rates uh, even when you go direct to the uh, shipper uh, versus going through the broker? Uh, say that. Say that again, Jason. You broke, you broke up on me. Those rates are, are applicable whether you're going direct to the shipper or, or if you're going through a broker. There's a, a difference in the rates you can expect. Oh, a- absolutely. It's, as far as the rates that are going from, as far as you, if you're dealing with the, uh, you know, if you're dealing on the spot market, the spot market is just like you. All that is basically all going to be going through a broker if you're dealing with spot market rates. Um, right. But if you but if you happen to if you're going through and you can get contracted rates through a through a direct customer, which the analysis that I try to use and I try to tell people whenever you can invoice or bill directly to uh, the person that's shipping the freight or the person that's receiving the freight, depending upon how the shipping arrangement is, that is what I call a retail freight rate. Uh, I call anything that you get off of a load board. I call my definition on that is is pretty much that is a wholesale freight rate so you you're, you 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 so when you're dealing with brokers you're dealing on a wholesale the way that I try to break it down you're dealing, you're giving your services away at a wholesale rate and when you and when you have a direct customer you are now billing at a direct rate is the way that I try to equate it to um, and we're just trying to give people some different pointers and uh, things on how to get those direct rates touch anything you want to add on that no I think you're right on the money and those are just approximate rates. You can't go, you know, those are approximations. Don't go to the bank on them. It's, they're averages. Um, and things change in this industry in a heartbeat. You know, I'm sure when some of those guys listening and guys and ladies were listening and heard 249 a mile out of Florida, um, if they all get down to Florida early next week, there'll be more trucks there than there is loads. <laughs> That's right, and all of a sudden the dollar, the the rates are going to go from two forty or two forty nine a mile down to a dollar sixty one, because we are in a. It, I always say we're in a live market. This is uh, trucks have become commoditized, and that's the problem when you're always chasing spot quotes. Thank you. You're quite welcome. All right, that, that was, that's all you got, Jason. Yeah, that's all I got now. I'm just listening now. Okay, well, we appreciate the phone call, Jason. Let's move on real quickly. We're going to try to get uh, one more. We've got two more callers. We're going to try to get two callers calling in from, uh, actually, both of these callers calling in from 720 area code, 720-628. I'm not going to give out your full phone number, but you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hi, Rico. Um, I'm calling. I'm uh, Serena, and I'm a, a, a new driver. I've only been driving for a year and a half, and I've definitely been thinking about doing the business thing. But I don't know 
I don't want to. I, I don't want to just jump into it. So I want to know what's how to you know like an A to a B to a C point so that I could get myself into the business, but not uh, just jump in there blind. You know, go out here, lease a truck, have a big payment, and then I'm really working for somebody else. Serena, I highly, I highly strongly. Uh, ooh, do not get into a lease purchase. At least not the standard lease purchase that a lot of these companies are pushing. I cannot say that strongly enough. As a first-time person, you, my advice would be, unless you stay in California and you got to go to California, you do not need a new truck. Try to find you a cheap truck. There are carriers that are out here that will allow you to lease on to them. Um, and you don't have to go to California, you don't, so you don't need that newer truck. Uh, they will allow you to lease on to them with the older truck, and I would advise you to go that route, find you a cheaper, mechanically sound truck where you can get your feet up underneath you. Um, I recommended some, you know, I, I, I highly recommend Kevin Rutherford's book. It's a, uh, um, I can put up a link on it if you're on Facebook or if you're in any, any of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of, I'm, I'll try and put a link of it up, and I'll put a link of it up on the Racing Lanes uh, Facebook page to Kevin Rutherford's book. It's called Stop Holding the Steering Wheel and Start Driving Your Business. And that is, it has a couple of DVDs. Uh, actually, I have those DVDs. There's a complete, the book has a complete um, process on how to start on as far as what, getting a uh, complete financial analysis of where you are in your, in your life right now at this point and whether or not you know are you setting yourself up for failure but it, it lays everything out pretty much like you're saying uh, uh, uh from a to b it lays everything out and i think the book is like maybe 250 dollars something like that. and it comes with it comes with uh two or three dvds uh a couple of audio books but i'll put a link up to it you can check it out but i highly recommend if you're thinking about getting into your business into the trucking business $250 is peanuts as far as getting uh, started with an education um, to, to help okay. get you started in the right point in the right direction. You're right, Rico. Um, it's the best 250 bucks you'll ever spend, and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than the price of a used recap at the side of the road. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, Serena, if right. I can give you a little bit of advice. Um, if you're thinking of getting into this, I don't know what, whether you're interested in starting your own gig or you're, uh, you're going to lease on with a carrier. A lot of times, you know, if you're just starting out, you are best to, to lease on with a carrier and learn the business a little bit and make the, make your mistakes on their dime. Okay. So when y'all say, y'all say it's kind of confusing to me because I guess, and I'm still learning, you say lease onto a carrier, but don't lease onto a truck. Right. What you do is you buy your own truck. That's what Rico's saying. You go find a good truck, and then you take that truck and you lease it on to a carrier. But don't let the carrier talk you into going and either buying one of his um, brand-new 2015 with a $3,000 a month payment or a 2012 that's going to give you all sorts of problems because these this technology is... It's garbage. Um, it's, it's challenging. I'll, I'll rephrase that. It's challenging. Um, and what Kevin's probably going to tell you in his book is to go find something 2007 or older 
Um, and those are the best trucks. Actually, he's going to take, actually, he's going to take 03 and 0. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. Um, and, you know, i got to tell you something, Serena. If you had a lot of money to spend on a truck, you could go and buy anything, like even a 1998, and get it all rebuilt from bumper to bumper to mud flap, and it would probably cost you eighty or ninety thousand dollars, and you'd have every bit of good as good a truck as a brand new one, and you'd have like Better. a brand new truck. Better. Yeah, you would. Get the book. You guys go to, I got to get the book and lease and lease onto a company. And do y'all have a? Will the book tell me like a, a what a great leasing company would look like? to look for in a leasing company? I mean... Not a leasing, a trucking company. You, you're going to buy the truck and then you're going to lease it on. You're going to hire on as an owner-operator with a with a reputable trucking company. Right. I get that. And right. a credit check on them. Well, and yeah, will the book tell me like what's, what is, what am I looking for out of a company? Like... Well, it depends where you... Know, you I know what, um, let me ask you a question. Where do you live? I live in Colorado, but I don't care about, you know, being there, you know? I care, I okay. care about I care about where I can go to make my dreams come true. So wherever that okay. is for me, that's what I want to do. You know what? If you can, some of the big companies, are, are, you know, they're really good, um, like Schneider and Hunt, if you can get on with an older truck. I don't know what their... Um, I have no idea what their rules are. Some of them, because of insurance, they want newer trucks. Um, you know, that's where you've got to do your diligence. I can't, and I don't think Rico can say, this is who you should go to, or, you know. Uh, but I can tell you one thing. The, the things that you look for when you lease on with a company is talk to some of their owner-operators. Um, you need to make sure you're getting enough money. That's really important. Uh, make sure you're leased profitably. Um, make sure that they're solvent. That's really important. That they're do uh, do the due diligence and spend some money and do a credit check on them. And make sure they have money. And you also want to talk to some of their owner operators and see how they're making out. Okay. And if somebody okay. promises you something too good, don't believe it. All right. All right, I won't eat the, the other thing. Thank the other, you, sir. The, the other thing that you, the other thing that you want to do too, Serena, is you before you lease on with anybody. One one telltale sign to whether or not if you ought to run for the hills right from the beginning is before you lease on to them, ask them to send you a copy of the lease so that you can review it. If they don't want to send you a copy of the lease to so that you can review it before you actually are obligated to run under them, that would that would throw some that would throw red flags that will make my antennas go up you know that okay. that cause that 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 should show that you're doing your due diligence and everything and and they should be and they should actually be um that should make them happy that you actually are going through those processes because nine times out of ten most people never think of even asking for something like that and it's just like going out and buying a truck in the book that i told you about kevin kind of gives you a layout on even how to buy the truck because for most people don't even know how to buy a truck. They, if it's the right color, if it happens, if it, you know, I, I wanted a blue truck and I find a blue truck on the truck lot. Well, that's my truck right there. We don't even know, you know what I'm saying? We don't understand the different specs and, and, and how to look at, you know, different gear ratios, so on and so forth to do different things to, to even buy the truck. 
So that's why I highly recommend that book. I'm going to put that link up on uh, the Rachel the Rachel Lane podcast page, Facebook page, and also I'll I'll throw it up in a couple of groups as well if if, if someone's interested in it. Um, and it, and you can find me on Facebook if you have any more questions that you don't ha- uh, we didn't get to get a chance to get into while we're on the phone tonight. You can always shoot me a message uh, on Facebook, and I try to answer most of my questions uh, there. And, uh, of course, try to call back in again on, on another show and, and we can get to them, get to if you have any other questions or anything that we can help you out with in the future. Uh, you know, try to lock us in and catch us every Wednesday at 7 p.m. All right, Serene, we appreciate it. And with that said, we're going to try to get to one last call and we're going to try to bring this baby in and land this puppy. We got another caller okay. calling in from 7-7-2-0-5-3-9, area code 7-2-0-5-3-9. You're on live with Rico and Chuck. What's your name? And how can we help? Yeah, my name is Daryl. And Chuck, I want to say at the CMC, you were the shiny object. I was glad I uh, had I listened to your uh, your brief. Now, well, uh, Rico, Rico, there was a caller three callers ago, and he um, talked about um, where it, where would he? I mean, why can't it just be him driving versus trying to grow big or everything like that? And I kind of feel in the same arena as, as this guy other short of that i know um nothing stands still either you're moving forward or you're moving backwards um which which puts me <laughs> in a dilemma i don't feel as though i'm moving forward i work with landstar and so i haven't um i haven't um pushed myself into going and, and getting my own authority yet um, you mentioned about a goal and no, I didn't set a, a goal and I wouldn't know even what time frame if I set a goal as saying, okay, I want to get my own authority. Now, Chuck, you did in your uh, class, you said something that made me think also. And that was, you said, um, if you're going to do a business, you may have to change your business based on where you're living and what you're doing. Um, Great. I'm out of, uh, the Denver area. So. Uh, freight, just you mentioned earlier, is not much freight in there. Some logistics loads, uh, shows, and things like that. Right. Um, but I also know a couple areas out of there, also is like Nebraska, that that kind of forces you to say, well, maybe a flatbed is better than a van. I'm not sure. Um, but I do feel like I'm in that same boat as. Um, me advancing, me moving forward may be something as simple as um, uh, changing what I'm pulling. Well, what would you, say with you know that? what, really, that just depends on uh, what you want to do. You know, having your own trucking business and having your own authority is not for everybody. Um, you know, when right. you have your own authority, you don't have your own customers. You're at the mercy of uh, brokers and third parties. Um, and I can, you know, the little bit I do know about your company, uh, it's a good company. I wouldn't say a bad word about Landstar. You guys get, you know, I have two friends of mine that are leased on there, and my God, they get great rates. Um, right. You know, I can't believe some of the rates you guys get. They're phenomenal. Uh, you know, uh, our company has a hard time dealing with Landstar only because you guys go through all these agents. There's a few big, large U.S. carriers that work under the same model, and our brokerage end, we don't like that model to deal with, but that's nothing against Landstar. I think it's a great company, and from what I understand, it's a very well-run company, 
and you may not have any reason to go anywhere. You know, you may be uh, happy and content and uh, making a good living, and uh, and why would you change it? Uh, just to have a bunch of headaches, and if you do get your own authority and you have to start chasing certain brokers around for money and other brokers around for loads, why would you want to change that? You know, this going out and getting your own authority works for some people. It's it's not for everybody. And there are right. some people and out there that own their own trucks that are going to be leased on to the companies like the, the Landstars of the world and, and the other ones. Um, and, and they're going to do very well, uh, under that model. And there's other ones that are free spirits and they don't want to, they, they do not want to be leased to somebody and they will get their own authority and they'll do well as well. You know, it really depends what you want. Um, you know, uh, Landstar pays your bills. I know that, you know, you get paid and that's worth a lot. Plus you get great freight. It's not a bad deal. Right, and Daryl, unfortunately, Daryl dropped his call. Dropped, but um, yeah, that's if you want to be a one man army, I think the it, it's possible to do it with your own authority. If you if you want to go out here and you and you can develop, uh, you can develop you a small little niche and get you a couple a little core group of 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 customers that can keep you busy. Or if you can just, or if you don't even want to have the hassle of developing customers or whatever, you can develop a core group of brokers that, sure. you know, if, as long as, if, as long as you have that core group that you got an agreement with and they understand your business model and it works within the, within the structure and the, in the confines of how you want your business structured, that's the, that's the optimal thing. But I think that, you know, yes. you need to sit down. I, I advise people, you know, sit down, clear your mind, meditate, and just, Think of all the things that you want, because if you don't, Zig Ziglar said, uh, you know, one of the great quotes, you know, Zig is a, is a quote factory, but if you, one of the great quotes that I remember him saying was that if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. If you have That's a right. target, if you have a target to shoot for, then even if you, you, you may miss the target, you may miss it or whatever, but it, it puts you that much closer if you, if you, every day you got something to work on. Every day you got you got a, you have a goal in front of you and not behind you. You you have something to, to constantly keep moving towards. You're not going backwards, you know. And, and that's the great thing that that you know I would advise anybody. I kind of hate that we we, we kind of we're in overtime right now. So this portion of what we're all talking about is not being recorded. But um, but for everybody, Too bad, it's, on the line, you know, it's re- you're giving yeah, you're giving some really great advice. And I want to add to that, that, you know, for those people out there that are thinking of getting their own authority, but are going to work with brokers, pick a lane. You still have to be, uh, if you really want to be successful at this, even, you know, when you're, if you don't have your own customer base, for God's sake, have a lane so that people can throw steady work at you 12 months a year. You know, it's great to to have these uh, mammoth loads out of uh, out of California or Arizona that pay so well, but they're short-term. So for a lot of people, it does not work unless you live there or live near there or unless you can get there. Absolutely. But you've got to be willing to take that cheap freight when the good loads dry out. Absolutely. And with that said, Chuck, um, like I say, unfortunately, Daryl's call dropped, so uh, 
And I know Daryl. I think I got Daryl's phone number. They may, I may try to reach out to him and, and give him a call here in a little bit. But um, is it, while we still got a, quite a few people that are still on the line, Chuck, uh, we didn't get a chance to wrap up before the, the recording ended. But for everybody that's still on the line, do you want to give any information out uh, as far as contact information, anything like that that, that you guys got going Be on? Glad with to. Traffic? Sure. Uh, first of all, if anybody needs loads, we have loads throughout the U.S., uh, domestic U.S. loads. We have flatbed, step deck, reefer and dry loads, LTL as well as truck load. Um, you can call me direct anytime you want to talk about something. If you have a problem, 800-388-4352. My extension is 203. And you can email me. It's real easy. It's Chuck at Traffics. That's T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. And our website is www.traffics.com. That's T-R-A-F-F-I-X. Thanks. All right. Cool, Chuck. I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time and giving us the opportunity to come on the Racing Lane podcast. Um, always so gracious with your time. We, we definitely are indebted and appreciate all the advice and stuff that you come out here and lay out for everyone that tunes in. Um, be remiss in my duties if I did not send out a great big thank you to Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for giving us and providing us with the platform to be able to bring this show to you every Wednesday. Um, we so we miss a few Wednesdays here and there, but for the most part, we try to uh, etch out some time to make sure we try to get this information out here to everybody in the public and try to help just uh, have an exchange a place to you can go to, uh, you know, to actually get some pertinent information to help make your business a little bit better and, and add a couple more tools to your toolbox. So we always welcome your uh, feedback and and, and uh, questions or anything like that. We can go to our Facebook page, Race, Facebook page, Race and Lane Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can find me directly on Facebook, Rico Muhammad. You can just send me or shoot me a friend request. I accept them all. And, uh, and we look forward to helping and talking with you more maybe this time, same time next week. Uh, with that said, Chuck, uh, any more closing remarks? You got them all in? Everybody out there, just be safe and have fun and be profitable. Yes, sir. And every, like I say, I echo those sentiments. Everybody be safe. God bless. And good night. Good night. God bless. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.